Oh no! Were you like talking for a really long time to yourself? Not that long, but I did try to record a whole chapter and caught like almost none of it. This seems like something that should be so simple. And I always used to like listen to low budget podcasts and people would say shit like, this is our fourth time recording this podcast. Like, fuck everything. And I'm like, what's wrong with these idiots? Like, what are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's like technology will never fight you the way it does when you're trying to record a podcast. (laughs) I like begged for more asks this morning because no one had given us any. I did see that people send us some asks. Yeah, I know. So happy. I feel like this might be. We we're talking about Will and Molly on Twitter this morning, so I feel like that might have inspired this question. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, the first question is, what do you think Will has told Molly about Hannibal? I feel like I would have to write a whole fic about that to figure it out. I feel like maybe he actually probably hasn't told her much. I think she's smart and has probably picked some things up, but I don't think they've probably ever like sat down and had a conversation about it. I don't think Will would get involved with someone who was like gonna be pushy about it. I think that her whole role in his life is that she's kind of, you know, easygoing. And when Jack comes along and kind of drags him away, she doesn't stop him. She's like gonna let him make his own decisions. And I feel like she clearly knows that something has happened and that he has significant psychological scars from this previous life and maybe doesn't actually want to know that much more about it. I feel like if I'm remembering right, she actually encouraged him to go. I remember they were like in bed and he was saying like, oh, if I like do this, you know, it's going to be different. I'm going to be different. And she's like, no, no, it'll be fine. Like, you know, you can save all these people. You should go do it. Which I feel like probably means that she doesn't know all that much about what he used to do. Because I feel like anyone who actually like understands like the impact that it has on him would be like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Which I think canonically probably means like when Will says, I think Hannibal asks him how much she knows at one point. And he says like she knows enough to me, I think means that he told her the truth, which is that like he had a psychiatrist who turned out to be a serial killer and was gaslighting him and almost let him die and then framed him. And that was kind of enough for her to be like, oh shit, no wonder you're kind of fucked up and not probe into like, So were there even more fucked up things that happened? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened in the sense that, like, I think he left out the whole, also, I have really complicated feelings for this person and am a little bit obsessed with them and almost ran away with them and chased them to Italy. I feel like that's the stuff that gets left out. He could probably, like, tell her the truth. And as long as he didn't say too much about his own emotions, Mm -hmm. any rational person would just assume that he's incredibly traumatized by this and doesn't want to talk about it that much, which is also also kind of true. And I think that's not unusual for people in like that type of work. Like my dad was a firefighter, like, you know, first responder mm. type thing. And he didn't really talk about his job at home, you know, when it's like stuff like, oh, yeah, there was like a dead person that we couldn't save. It's like, you know, you don't tell that to your family. There's not really an expectation that you'll go into all the like gory details of like all the shit that happened to you when you were like an FBI agent. I also I did write one story about Will and Molly's relationships starting where I posited that she like saved him from Freddie Lowndes. Um, in the midst of like a media mob during Hannibal's trial. Because that is one thing that I wonder about her is like, depending on when they met, Will's life would have been a bit of a circus during the trial. So I feel like to some extent she would have known, she either would have known everything that came out publicly at the trial or Mm -hmm. would have purposely said like, look, you do that all day. You don't need to talk about the trial when you come home as well. Yeah. I feel like I like the idea of her just not looking into it to like respect his privacy. I feel like that might've been what I wrote in like the, the Molly Graham centric fic I did. Yeah. It's just like, I'm just not going to look at the tabloids. This is your business. Yeah. And then probably regretting that later when he <laughs> runs away with his ex psychiatrist. But at the same time, like reading the tabloids wouldn't necessarily, I guess if she'd been reading tattle crime, maybe she would have had some questions, but even then, like there was probably so much misinformation even beyond Freddie, like how, could she have been expected to tease out the truth of that situation, even if she'd read all of the available information? It's weird, like, the idea of her reading Tattle Crime, because I don't think Freddie was right at the time. But in retrospect, I feel like all of her articles probably take on, like, a pretty reasonable, like, reasonably accurate significance. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I have like a lot of thoughts about Molly and Will and, and like no good way to organize them. I guess when we get to like season three, we can talk about it some more. The only good method of organization is fan fiction. Pretty much. Okay, and then one more Anon asked, fave characters so far in season one. If you watch the show, you're going to start having a lot of complicated feelings about Will and Hannibal. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should just put that to the side and say uh-huh. of the non-Will and Hannibal characters, this time through, definitely Bedelia. Both in a, like, enjoy watching her and that I think she's genuinely, like, both a good person to the extent that anyone can be in this situation and, like, an interesting person. Yeah. It's interesting because I almost feel like Bedelia in season one isn't the same character as season three. Mm. And I don't actually get the sense that it's character development. I kind of feel like they just made a decision in the writer's room and changed directions. That's the one time in the show that I feel like it was actually just like, let's just rewrite this character as something different. I like Bedelia a lot more in season one. And when we briefly get to see her at the beginning of season two, than I do later in the show. That's fair. I feel like I might need to watch it again and try to like integrate those two characters and see if it can be done. Yeah. I feel like my knee-jerk reaction would be either Will or Hannibal. So yeah, shoving right. that aside. <laughs> I constantly love Freddie Lowndes. So maybe yeah. her. I mean, I don't I don't like her in the, the role that she takes on the show, you know, in opposition to Will and Hannibal, because it's like, oh, leave them alone. But I just really enjoy her as a character. And I, I kind of feel like she's probably the smartest person on the show to the extent that she's really yeah. the only person who makes it out without, I don't know, any damage. I mean, even I, compared I, to like Hannibal, he does not maintain the parts of his lifestyle that he wants to maintain through this. Whereas Freddie is like, at the beginning, she's a tabloid reporter. At the end, she's a richer tabloid reporter. Like, <laughs> she did great. She's doing okay for herself. Despite putting herself in objectively pretty dangerous situations, she gets kidnapped by Abel Gideon and is poking around at Will and Hannibal and makes it out okay. She did a good job. If I did have to, I think maybe it was Morgan Grantaire, I think, who posted like a, you have to choose between Will and Hannibal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like such a... Like, it seems like such a bizarre and counterintuitive question because they're just a unit. But right. I think I did vote for Hannibal. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, as much as, like, I love Hannibal as a character and just, I don't know, I have this bizarre affection for him. But I think I prefer Will in season one. If I had to pick between them at this okay. point, I think I just feel really bad for him. I think until I we started rewatching it again this time, I didn't realize that extent of like the wounded puppy looks that he has just all season long it's a lot and I'm just reminded of the tactical deployment of the sad face in the very secret diary program it's like he does the sad face I don't know it's just like so sad and sweet and nice like seeing him like be nice to Hannibal before like while he can yeah he decides that Hannibal is horrible but speaking of people who really really like Hannibal we watched a whole episode about them. So it starts with Will just uh, working on a boat motor on his floor. Right beside <laughs> his bed. Like he dragged that motor in onto the carpet beside his bed and lay down on the floor to get some shit done. I mean, this is like maybe just because I know in book canon, he ends up like a sad alcoholic living alone in Florida. But <laughs> I was like... He's drinking pretty early, isn't he? He had, like, a pretty, like, sizable glass of whiskey next to him. Maybe it was tea. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Is it, it seems like it's morning at this point. So he starts hearing things. I think he calls Alana over, right? Because he thinks he hears, like, a wounded animal out in the fields. And then we get to go to this string shop where... I'm sorry, I'm going to be, like, really obnoxious this whole time. Do it. I love it. Where there's, like, a child playing the cello badly (laughs) and Tobias is like lecturing him about gut strings like nobody strings a student instrument with gut strings that's not a thing and then (laughs) they have like a close-up on the bow this kid's bow and he's like not playing the cello like it's clearly like (laughs) the actor who's pretending to play the cello but like I was just reminded this week on Twitter I saw this gif of I don't think I've even like seen this bit of Star Trek but it's like this bit of Star Trek where Captain Picard is like playing a whistle and this little bit of yeah that like for that scene they had some like a flute player (laughs) crouching underneath his desk holding his hands up to like (laughs) But it looked like he was actually playing it really well. And I was like, what a great idea, first of all. And secondly, 
especially if you're going to film a shot that's literally just a close-up of the bow without even the human playing it in the shot. <laughs> there are so many people who know how to play the cello at, like, an average, like, eight-year-old child level. Anyway, okay, there was... <laughs> That was my first bit of obnoxiousness. We can go back to Will and Alana now. Well, I love that the student actually calls him on it. He's like, shouldn't I learn to play the other strings first? And Tobias is just like, no. Yes, child, you should. You're right, though, kid. This time around, I actually found Will and Alana, like, walking through the fields chatting really cute. I did, too. I really liked them this whole episode. I can't tell if I thought that Will was smooth or not while they were walking through the fields and talking. Because he sounds kind of weird and accusatory when he's like, did you think this was a date? And she's like, no, it never crossed my mind. Then he's like, but why not? It almost feels like he's setting her up to, like, feel bad for him. It's like there's something weird happening there. (laughs) Do I think Will is smooth? Yes, because Alana clearly does because she tells Hannibal that. He accuses Hannibal of flirting to get his way in just the same way that Will does. So this reminds me of something, I think it was a Petronia wrote one in like a piece of meta where she's talking about how Will probably doesn't really know how to have platonic touching interactions with people, like physically touching people outside of like a very specific sexual script. It was really, I don't know, it was a really interesting post that I can link in the thing. It was basically, you know, like what comes from being like a grumpy loner who nevertheless looks like Hugh Dancy. Right. That like, this is probably how you learn to interact with people. Oh, fuck. That's sad. I think it it had to do with Hannibal, like touching Will and like how he doesn't seem like he doesn't like it, but like he doesn't necessarily know how to react. But yeah, the whole thing between Will and Alana, like I think in this scene, I'm definitely getting the impression that like they're both aware that they're moving towards some sort of romantic relationship. Because, you know, you don't call someone over to like come help me look for a wounded animal in the field unless you're pretty close with them, I think. I don't know. I wouldn't call a colleague over to do that. (laughs) I think you could. You know, if you were concerned and you legitimately thought that, like, you might need help dragging a wounded animal into your house, that seems like a strange but generally okay reason to call someone for help. But the way that he frames it and, like, this entire interaction seems like it was an excuse. And Alana's whole, like, when she says that dating seems like something for somebody else, that's, like, so sad. But I also totally get that. I mean, and this probably has a lot more to do with me than anything else. But I always found that, like, really, like, cool. And, like, I'm a little jealous of that. Which is, Mm. I think, not the reaction you're supposed to have at all. I don't know. I really think it's cool that you can just, like, focus on yourself and what's good for you. And turn down relationships that you know are not good for you. As opposed to, like, needing somebody in your life. Which I feel like is something a lot of people do. That's a good point. Because I didn't necessarily read it as like Alana waiting for the right person. But that's actually a totally valid reading, especially for this episode. All right. <laughs> so the first of many awkward Hannibal and Franklin interactions. Oh, man. This was this like the thing Franklin said was just so funny to me for some reason, where he's talking about Tobias and he's like, he's been saying very dark things and saying, just kidding, a lot. It started to seem kind of crazy. I really want to see that. Like, I want to see the level of crazy that Tobias is, like, trying to impart to Franklin, right? I can just kind of imagine him, like, deadpan. I'd love to, like, open him up and play his vocal cords and then, like, weird head tilt. Just kidding! (laughs) Being like, yeah, I nailed it. He's definitely going to tell that to him. And then just, like, in the way that, you know, I think we were talking about at one point how there's no, um, you know, no one owns a television on TV. (laughs) And it's kind of weird to see Hannibal using, like, an iPad for that reason. It's also, like, similarly weird to hear him say the word Google. (laughs) Was it that he, he, like, asks a really weird question having to do with Google, like, what were you hoping to find in this Google or something like that? Why were you so interested to Google him or something? I don't know. So Franklin Googles a list of traits belonging to psychopaths and is very invested in diagnosing his best friend as a psychopath. (laughs) And Hannibal defends his honor by insisting that psychopaths are not crazy. They're fully aware of what they do and the consequences of those actions. Which is interesting in that, like, there are lots of later kind of lots of medical professionals. And even now, like, talking about the Chesapeake Ripper, like, debating what kind of pathology to attach to him. Whereas, like, he seems, he actually seems decided that he's a psychopath. I forget why. I was looking into this a lot this past week. I think Brian Fuller and uh, Maz Mickelson in interviews, like, have said that Hannibal isn't a psychopath or isn't just a psychopath, which is interesting. I mean, I think they're, like, really going for the, the whole thing, like, you know, we don't know what to call him. You yeah. Know, there, there isn't, like, a name for this thing that he is. I feel like I always want to attach a psychopath label 
to him just for fic purposes because it makes my life easier. Like I was reading a few articles about, um, I think the bees Patella linked an article about psychopathy in children that was kind of talking about the ways that they identify that and that one of the identifying traits of psychopaths is that they have like lower heart rates, like the stuff that gets the average person excited or particularly scared doesn't mm-hmm. physically affect a psychopath. So it's, yeah. I mean, essentially the opposite of an anxiety disorder. It's right. like, you can't get anxious to the point that you're unable to like feel scared of consequences. And that the way that they treat children with psychopathy is that they know it's not particularly effective to have punishments. So there's a mm-hmm. system of rewards and punishments that's very heavy on the reward and actually quite light on the punishment because the threat of punishment doesn't really do anything. And so like that trait, I feel like it definitely see that in him where you never see him anxious and he doesn't seem concerned about the things that would concern other people. Then we have Hannibal being an actually good therapist again, where he tells Franklin, um, I'm not analyzing your friend. I'm analyzing your perception of him. It may help you know yourself better. Yeah. And that's extremely helpful and insightful. It is. And it's, I think, pretty much the same thing that, like, when he's talking about, like, himself with Bedelia, he's doing the same thing, you know, getting to know himself through the lens of another person. So he tells Franklin that Franklin is not a psychopath, which, no. Definitely not, but you may be attracted (laughs) to them. And then we get the main murder scene in this episode, which I, like, freaked out. The first time I saw this, I, like, stopped the episode. I had to, like, show my husband. I had to, like, take a screenshot and send it to my mom because this show filmed in Toronto. So they used uh, Roy Thompson Hall, which is the hall where the Toronto Symphony plays. And, like... I have, like, not only been here my whole life, like, I've gone to concerts here, I've played in Roy Thompson, like, many times. This is just, like, such a familiar space to me. So, I don't know, it was just, like, incredibly surreal seeing that space in this context and even, like, you know, the instruments that, like, I know exactly who owns and plays all of the instruments that are, like, randomly lying around the stage in the scene. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Anyway, we're here to investigate the cello person. The cello trombonist. I didn't really like realize the depth of my dislike for Jack until the bees Patella and Kazu like got me going on Discord <laughs> the other night. And apparently no. I had a lot to say about Jack. I think I just really hate his management style and I judge him way more than I judge Hannibal, which is probably unfair. It's totally but unfair, like, but I'm with you on that. But I feel like Jack has, you know, like a certain duty of care to the people who work for him that he just mm-hmm. fails constantly. So I don't know. I just really did not like his whole like, is it me or is it getting easier for you to look to Will? Like, no, it's definitely you, Jack. That's definitely just what you would like to be happening. Right. And I think it bugged me so much because, like, there's no practical reason for him to say that to Will. Like, it doesn't matter. Will is there doing his job. So, like, for him to kind of minimize, like, the toll it takes on Will just seems like it's for his own so he can sleep at night. Yeah, if you're going to ask people to go out on a limb for you, it's almost like, you know, kind of the advice about, like, instead of saying sorry, say thank you. Yeah. Like, instead of, like, I'm sorry you had to wait, like, thank you for being patient with me kind of thing. Like, I think that's really good advice in general. And I feel like that's kind of the opposite of what Jack is doing. Like, he's not, it would (laughs) probably go, (laughs) it's like a very mundane lens to, like, put this through. But I feel like actually... If Jack approached this from the perspective of, I really appreciate that you're doing this, you know, for me and also for this city. And, you know, I recognize the toll that it takes on you and I want to support you in it. And like, you're doing a great job, whatever. That would probably do a lot to prevent Hannibal from being able to alienate Will from Jack. I guess another thing I've been wondering for like a while now is like, I'm confused about Will's relationship with his glasses. (laughs) Me too. Because when he came into the scene and was wearing glasses, I was like, oh yeah, he has glasses. Right. And then he, as soon as Jack leaves, he takes them off to, you know, analyze the crime scene. And it kind of seems like he uses them more as like a barrier between himself and other people. He's usually wearing glasses in his scenes with Jack. But he wasn't when he was walking through a field with Alana. Now I'm wondering, like, does he usually wear them when he's with Hannibal? I don't 
don't think so. No, because yeah. I noticed he wasn't wearing them in the scenes with Hannibal this time around. And I mean, maybe he just wears contact lenses and didn't put them in whenever Jack, like, dragged him out of bed to go to this crime scene. Or he was just, like, chilling at home with his glasses on. But yeah, right. it seems like from the show's perspective, that's probably a dialistic choice between him and other people. And I'm just like, maybe his prescription isn't that bad. Because, I mean, yeah. I know, like, for me, my eyes are really bad. Like, if I take off my glasses, I can't see anything. Like, I'm yeah. not going to just take them off to look at something. Well, maybe he took them off at the crime scene because he didn't necessarily want to like look at details you know he was more feeling instead of looking so now we have Hannibal in therapy with Bedelia and learn that she tried to refer him (laughs) this time I was like wait who did she try to refer him to like which one of her colleagues did she think like great this will be an excellent fit I kind of can't imagine him with anybody. Well, I guess like before Bedelia, I wouldn't have been able to imagine him with anybody either. There must be more super fucking weird therapists in the city of Baltimore <laughs> than she could have found for I him. mean, there are so many serial killers. Why can't there be more weird therapists too? But the reason that he did not allow himself to be referred is apparently because he feels protective of her. Which I don't, like, what a weird thing to say. I was trying to parse that and I'm kind of just like, he, I don't know, he's saying that he wants to support her in her, like, psychiatry practice, which she didn't want to continue anyway. (laughs) Right, you could have supported her in not having a psychiatry practice. I could see him just not knowing how to be attached to her in any other way. Like, he's clearly, based on, like, what I remember of, like, the flashbacks that we get later, they've kind of gone through this event together that Hannibal may or may not have inflicted on her. Right. And... He wants to keep her close as a result of that, which I feel like in his mind could be like a protective instinct, even if it's not protecting her from anything. That might be the only way that Hannibal knows how to yeah, have an attachment to her, especially because she seems like she's a lot better at boundaries than he is. In the sense that, you know, she's consistently like, no, I'm your therapist. We're not friends. Says, I'm your psychiatrist. You're not mine. And he gets this like little smile on his face and I'm just right, like what was that is that like weird psychiatrist flirting I don't know also I mean that like especially in light of his um you know relationship with Will where obviously Will isn't his psychiatrist but they have this very like mutual sharing that wouldn't happen normally in like a doctor-patient relationship like Will asks like is this a group therapy session or whatever right oh and then we go back to the lab and team sassy science where Will is not doing great. Oh boy. He says, had to open you up to get a decent sound out of you. And just like throws the three of them this look. And yeah. Zella looks so fucking scared. I feel kind of simultaneously bad for all of them. Because I feel like the looks that the lab techs are all giving each other is just like, holy shit, is this guy going to go nuts and kill us? Like maybe. It feels so bad for all of them. It's like this, that's situation just really sucks all around like no one wants to be afraid of their co-worker we know that will is having some like serious medical issues and in that sense freddie kind of has the correct angle on this which is that it's a matter of public safety that this kind of crazy person not be in the fbi like possibly at this point at right. least Zeller right after this conversation would agree with her on that. But I thought it was interesting because like immediately afterward it cuts to, you know, a therapy session with Will and Hannibal. And Hannibal is not looking at him like that and not treating him like he's going to go crazy and murder people. I mean, he is looking at him like he's going to go crazy and murder people. It just looks different. (laughs) It just looks more like shiny heart eyes. Oh my god, there were so many shiny heart eyes in this episode. No. I feel like these two scenes together really kind of shows like why Will started to gravitate towards Hannibal so much because, you know, he's like the one person who isn't treating him like he's afraid. Although I did find it interesting that Hannibal asked Will what he sees and what he, I don't remember if that's actually the question, but there's an opening for Will to tell him that he saw Garrett Jacob Hobbs like in the audience. Yeah. And he doesn't. He says that he saw himself. I thought that was weird, too. Like, I I did notice that. Which I guess is kind of an acknowledgement that, yes, what he saw was a hallucination. But it's also interesting that Will seems to have this reluctance to talk to Hannibal specifically about Garrett Jacobov. Right. Which is kind of weird considering, like, that's literally Hannibal's job. Like, that's actually his therapist. (laughs) What he was supposed to be doing in the first place. I don't know. Why, Why do you think that he doesn't? It almost seems like he has this instinctive awareness that Hannibal doesn't want to hear about Garrett Jacob Hobbs necessarily. Like that he's like moved past that or wants Will to have moved past that and onto more interesting killers. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Part of it struck me as like Will not wanting to seem like he's that kind of crazy. But I mean, he does tell Hannibal that he was hearing, you know, animals in his chimney that weren't there, which is, right. you know, still admitting to hallucinations, but not of like the I'm seeing other serial killers variety. Yeah. It almost seems like he wants Hannibal to, like, he doesn't want to have to tell Hannibal, I think I'm hallucinating. He wants Hannibal to tell him that. Yeah. Right? Like, he wants to be diagnosed by a doctor <laughs> as having something wrong with him, which is a completely fair desire to have to, you know, want your doctor to evaluate your symptoms and make their own conclusions. So it seems like, you know, when he tells Hannibal about the chimney thing, like yeah. he's kind of a little bit coy about it and he wants to be drawn out. But I feel like that's also like a really unhelpful way to go about like therapy because, you know, like it's all based on like self-reported symptoms. Like if you don't tell your psychiatrist yeah. that you're hallucinating, how would they know? <laughs> it's true. So Hannibal goes to visit Tobias. There's an extremely high level of murder flirting that I'm really into. Yeah, you know what? I This time around, I was like, yeah, I'm actually kind of here for this like murder fling romance. <laughs> like, this is actually really oh, fun man. I was I was listening to uh, interviews, like the postmortem interviews, and I think it was from like when they were filming season one, and they kept describing like Hannibal and Will's relationship as a bromance, which is like that was not accurate, but okay. Sure. Um, also, just all of this stuff about, like, the theremin, which I think this is the first time that he mentions the theremin in this show. And it's, it's just, like, so bizarre and incongruous. And then they're talking about how, like, the theremin is, or Hannibal says, like, the theremin is so special because it can play, like, all of the notes in between notes. And Tobias is like, what are you talking about? Every instrument can do that. I guess except the harpsichord or mm. keyboard instruments. Actually, I think that's kind of cool that Hannibal kind of has like two instruments. His like two interests musically are like the exact opposite end of the spectrum. You yeah. have one that's like extremely prescriptive and one where all you do is move your finger and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, now I'm just actually thinking about that like bromance comment and uh, especially like reading interviews with Brian Fuller about like the way uh, season three went where someone was asking him, I was thinking about this because someone asked us, you know, isn't it cool that like Brian Fuller made his rare pair, like this giant juggernaut of of, like fandom. And so someone was asking Brian Fuller like, oh, you know, did you plan for this to be like a ship like from the start? And it was interesting because he said, no, he didn't, but it kind of grew out of Hugh Dancy and Mads Mikkelsen's performances. Mm -hmm. That they just like had this chemistry between them that by the end, it's like, okay, well, we have to acknowledge this because it's obviously there. That's really cool. I I kind of appreciate that it was like a collaborative process that just kind of grew organically. And I feel like it almost made it better. Like the fact that in the the actual events, like, yeah, I can see how for, yeah, I don't know, maybe the first season and a half or something, like you could write that and Mm -hmm. genuinely intend for these characters to hate each other in fact that's the most logical thing to assume like just from the words on the page that's completely reasonable to plan for this to be like pure enmity and I feel like it makes it more tense that there's no intentional hint of like I don't know so Franklin is waffling on whether he should report Tobias he says what if I'm wrong? I'm always wrong. I actually felt kind of bad for him there. And also I appreciate that level of self-awareness. And I like that, I mean, Hannibal's response is just, well, what if you're right? Which is like, that's, because I've I, like, I, felt like that before. Like, I'm always wrong. I can never do anything right. Yeah. And I feel like the only way to kind of beat that feeling is like, what's the consequences of being wrong? And what are the consequences of being right? In this case, the consequences of Franklin being wrong, if he hadn't mm-hmm. gone to the police, would be like, some inconvenience for his friends. Probably this friendship would end, but he doesn't seem all that invested in it anymore. But ultimately, if Tobias is not a serial killer, it's fine for him to be wrong. If he's right, right, which he is, then something significantly worse is going to happen to everyone. While they were having this conversation where, you know, Frank was asking him, like, do I have to report him? Like, is this something I'm obligated to do? And Hannibal asks him, do you have a reason not to report him? And I feel like just, you know, knowing that Hannibal's trying to work out like what friendship is and kind of like what this mm. relationship he has with Will is or what he wants out of this relationship. I feel like I kind of saw some parallels there. Like, I feel like he yeah. was legitimately asking, do you have a reason not to report him? And like and- if Franklin had said, well, I just really like him and want to be his friend, 
then that would have been like a legitimate, yeah. Kind of like, does Will have a reason not to report me? <laughs> oh man, and then we go back to Will's house where he manages to knock an enormous hole in his fireplace. Which is like, it's a brick wall and he has this <laughs> tiny fucking hammer. Jesus. So then Alana just randomly shows up right after Will has gone bananas and knocked a giant hole in his chimney. Right? Like, it doesn't seem like he's called her. No, I don't know. Oh. Because he seemed kind of confused about why she was there. And right. she said she was in the area. And he yes. still had, like, soot all over his hand. He was uh, holding the hammer. <laughs> I'm just imagining Alana knocking on the door and him opening it, like, covered in soot and <laughs> dust, holding a hammer. Right, like... He literally still had dust on his shoulders. <laughs> he was in the middle of the shit. Now I want an AU fic where Hannibal shows up instead of Alana. Oh, God, yeah. So, okay, I guess my next thought, like, when I was watching it was... I don't know if I'm, like, being unfair to Alana with this because it does have echoes of, like, oh, she was leading him on or whatever. But, right. like, genuinely, I, I'm not totally sure what Alana's endgame was when she, like, showed up at the house of a colleague that she's had, like, an obviously flirtatious relationship with. It seems right. to be, like, in the evening, clearly... Like, I don't get the impression that they live... I mean, Will doesn't live close to anyone. So, like, no, she was not just in the area. Right. And then when he kisses her, which, like, I would have guessed that that was part of her intention, that she wanted either to initiate or have him initiate some sort of sexual contact. And then she's like, no, I don't. I don't want this. It was a very confusing moment for me and obviously for Will. But, like, I sympathize with his confusion. However, now that we have just discussed the state that Will is in when he opened the door, now I'm like, oh, maybe she, like, drove to the house intending to like get down <laughs> well and then he opened the door and she was like shit I made a terrible mistake you know what that didn't occur to me but I would totally buy that because it's like oh this person is actually a lot less stable than I thought they were but right. also like I can kind of see her just maybe going over to his house with the yeah I mean like kind of with the intention of having something happen or like maybe seeing what could happen and just kind of, yeah, deciding, like, no, actually, this is not what I want. Which I think is, like, a valid thing to do, also. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, totally. And I'm, I don't mean to imply that, like, you can't no, no, I know. stop and say no once you've started. But I just, like, really, I want to know what she was thinking and what she intended. Right. I mean, but I, I kind of see what you're saying. Because, like, the way she reacts to him was a little weird in light of that. Where yeah. she's kind of being like, oh, no, this is a bad idea. And it's your idea. Wait, it wasn't, it's not totally, it wasn't really his idea. It was both of their ideas. But then I feel like he even kind of admits later while talking to Hannibal that that was partially motivated by exactly what she called out when talking to Hannibal last week, which is he knew that she knew that he was kind of losing his marbles and there was nothing in the chimney. So his reaction to that was to kiss her. Which, like, granted, a good distraction. Meanwhile, Hannibal has invited Tobias over for dinner and is being pretty forward. I did like that, you know, he asked, did you kill that trombonist? And Tobias says, do you really have to ask? Which is like exactly the same thing Hannibal would have said in that situation. Not yes, but it's a yes. <laughs> right. Like, let me not incriminate myself right now. Except then he does in the very next sentence. Also, I just, I thought it was weirdly cute. Hannibal was talking about the wine and how it's from Virginia and uh, Tobias was like, not Italy. And Hannibal's like, the Virginia wine revolution is upon <laughs> us. I've never heard of this, but I'm not a wine person. But okay, so in the same way that Will being like a mess who can't keep house and can't cook for himself is like fanning that really bugs me. Mm. I feel like my new fixation as far as like fanning I don't agree with is the idea that like Hannibal is really this certain kind of fussy. Yeah, he is fussy in some ways but the thing with the wine it's not about like the wine being prestigious or from you know a prestigious place that he can impress people with it's more about like the actual quality of the thing because it's from Virginia I guess that also comes back to the question of like what would Hannibal be willing to eat and mm -hmm. my thesis that the answer is like theoretically anything if he's hungry <laughs> in terms of like junk food or low quality food or food that he doesn't like I don't think that he is actually fussy about that. I think I was thinking about this partially because of something you said the other day, which was when we were talking about them having Will's dad over for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, yeah. 
which I started writing that fic and then life took a weird turn and I wrote a completely different fic. But I was thinking about that and oh, I lost the thought. Well, we, we were talking about like what they would feed him if Will would right. allow his dad to eat people. Right. And I think you said something that I thought was really interesting, which was that you think part of the joy he gets from feeding unsuspecting people human meat is the fact that he's sort of getting one over on like this certain kind of rich fancy person. Or like people I, who who are kind of like have an idea of themselves that they consider themselves above something, above anything. Right. And I guess like the idea, you know, what, like what he was saying to Alana last week that it's not what you appreciate, it's that you appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I think he does have a certain respect for people who have like genuine taste in things. Yeah. And maybe contrasting that to people who eat certain things or drink certain things for like the optics of it because yeah. that's you know I don't know it's just thinking about that in relation to wine from Virginia the rest of this before Will shows up it's really good actually you kind of slowly start to see why Hannibal doesn't want to be friends with Tobias he kind of over the course of this conversation where like you know Hannibal starts out being very frank about what they're discussing but then Tobias kind of keeps taking it further and it's almost like he has this exact same urge that Hannibal does to be seen and known and he Mm -hmm. has the exact same lack of concern for the consequences but he just like takes it an inch further than Hannibal does and it's almost Mm -hmm. like you know when when Hannibal's talking to Franklin asking if he's projecting aspects of his own personality that he doesn't like onto other people I feel Mm -hmm. like this looks like one of those situations where like you meet someone who's too like you and you're like, oh shit, maybe I don't like myself as much as I thought. Like he suddenly realizes that like, this is what he's like, you know, just a touch more. And he doesn't like that in another person. Also, I didn't realize it the first time I watched this, but when, you know, Hannibal tells Tobias that he was planning to kill him and that's why he invited him over for dinner. And Tobias looks at the food and Hannibal tells him, I wouldn't do that to the food. I didn't realize that was a cannibal joke the first time I watched it. Yeah, I get like it's both. Like he wouldn't yeah. poison the food that he's giving Tobias and he wouldn't poison Tobias. But yeah, I mean, I think just what you're saying that Tobias is like just a little too crass for Hannibal. Like the fact that Tobias is kind of gleefully saying that he came there to kill Hannibal. I feel like is the kind of blatant, a little too blatant. Like have he's, some subtlety. He's too Hannibal for Hannibal. I know exactly how you feel, but I don't want to be your friend. That would hurt. Right. But he wants to be somebody's friend. Somebody's friend, just not yours. And then Will shows up, who has driven over an hour to tell Hannibal that he kissed Alana. And he lets himself into Hannibal's house. He rings the doorbell and then, I guess, just opens the door and, like, throws his stuff on the nearest surface. Because, as we've discussed... Hannibal never locks anything. (laughs) And Hannibal looks a little taken aback that Will has just let himself into his house and started throwing his stuff places, but doesn't look bothered, just kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Hi. And the greeting of, I can still want to bloom. Literally first thing he says. I did, like, I completely forgot that it's actually Hannibal who calls him out on, he says, I'm wondering why you kissed her and felt compelled to drive an hour in the snow to tell me about it. I feel like part of me wants to read that as jealousy a little bit. Right, like, like it, I'm it's... important in this situation, right? Right, kind of that level of inconvenience where like, okay, something didn't go your way, so you let yourself into my house. And I'm not totally clear on whether he's just like sending Will after Tobias or if he's assuming that Tobias is still like lurking around somewhere in the house and he wants Tobias to know that like Will specifically is the FBI agent who's on to him. I feel like Tobias left. Okay. I feel like when faced with like a murderer who's like, I'm gonna kill you, most people would just be like, okay, bye. But he was also planning on killing Hannibal. There I really love actually the moment where like Hannibal turns around to go get the door. It's almost a very deliberate like turning his back on the person who has just stated that he came to his house to kill him like a you you know you don't concern me you're not even worth just walk away this is I think the scene I wanted to talk about when we were talking about psychopaths and low heart rate and kind of Mm. like the inability to get you know excited or scared about things the way normal people would like just the way Hannibal is totally unconcerned when Tobias is talking about wanting to kill him he's just like of course he did I'm lean lean animals make the best gut strings 
And just totally not the reaction most people would have. He's just like, yeah. Even besides like the whole physiological arousal and psychopaths thing, I feel like he probably knew that before he invited Tobias over. But it's a very calm conversation. I feel like we see kind of the same in, um, you know, his later conversations with Mason after Mason kidnaps them from Italy. Yeah. And he's like planning all these horrible things. And Hannibal's just kind of like, okay. I mean, he's more like enjoying it. It kind of opens him up to, like, enjoy all of this stuff because he's not caught up in being concerned about it. I mean, I think that's, like, one of those things that always makes me be like, I wish I was more like this. On the scale of, like, anxiety to sociopathy. like Right. (laughs) The slider a little bit to the right. Like, let me just get a little more towards that end. (laughs) So he deconstructs this with Bedelia, and it feels, like, incredibly real that this thing where... You know, he met someone who he recognizes isn't right for him, but made him interested in like a facet of himself or made him interested in pursuing something else. Yeah. Also, I just I really appreciate the way he's like so straightforward with people about not being interested in them. Yeah. Like, you know, like straight up telling Tobias. Yeah. I mean, I totally empathize, but I don't want to be your friend. Yeah. Because I feel like most people are pretty okay with letting people hang around them. It's like, well, I don't really like this person, but they're not actively bugging me, so whatever. And I feel like most of the friendships that I've ended up in that, like, I ended up regretting kind of started off that way. Like, I kind of recognize that this person is not totally for me, and, like, I'm not that into this, but... I guess it's better than being lonely, so I'll pursue this. And then, like, a few months or years later, you're like, kind of want to get rid of this person. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I've had a few friends like that, too, where it's just, like, the other person is way more invested in hanging out with you, and you're kind of like, well, I don't have anything else to do right now, so sure, let's go do the thing. Which is also kind of unfair to them, or, like, you know, to the Tobias in this situation. Like, Hannibal is not able to meet him on this his wavelength so this isn't right the relationship he's looking for so it's almost kind to just be like no we're not gonna do this right and I think like if Tobias had just like walked away and been like oh that sucks like I don't Hannibal wouldn't have tried to kill him or tried to well I guess he did try to get him arrested but I think he was more interested in like the will side of the equation in that situation he didn't really care whether or not Tobias ended up in custody <laughs> Right, I feel like that was more like, let me try to get Will to kill somebody again. Also, just like, I don't know, a common thread from like his sessions with Bedelia, I feel like he's a really good patient. He's, I don't know, really invested in his own therapy and like working towards goals of understanding himself better. And True, and it's remarkable for like someone who has one specific thing that he can't tell his therapist how he like clearly puts a lot of effort into like thinking about all of the ways in which he can still benefit. And then, you know, we get the same sense that she probably doesn't know exactly what's up with him, but knows that Mm -hmm. something is when um, he's saying that Will isn't just like him, but Will can assume his point of view. And she kind of smiles and she's like, (laughs) by profiling the criminally insane. He's like, yeah. So back to Tobias, who is teaching the same cello student and mm-hmm. sends him away by telling him to practice JSB, which nobody fucking says that. <laughs> Just say Bach like a normal person. Everyone knows who you mean. Secondly, there are no adagios in any of the cello suites. Like, fuck off. Somebody could have looked that up and come up with the actual name of a movement from the first cello suite. I really appreciate that I have you to tell me this because I totally wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> He also claims that the entire string section of the Baltimore, whatever they're calling it, Metropolitan <laughs> Orchestra, plays on catgut strings, or what they think are catgut strings, okay, which that like, no, they do not. Weird. They definitely right. don't. Baroque performance people play on catgut strings, but you can't have a whole section of string players pe- playing on gut in a modern symphony orchestra. <laughs> Will shows up with a bunch of cops, is but saved so- <laughs> by hearing things outside. Ends up in a pretty good murder basement. I'm a fan of that murder basement. I also really appreciated that they represented Will's hearing damage in this scene. Oh, what do you mean? I think that's what was happening. Like, he, he like, kind of shoots behind him and the gun goes off right beside his ear. And then we get, like, kind of this tinnitus sound for the rest of that scene. I feel like all the time in TV shows, like, people are just shooting guns and it's fine and they can still hear each other. 
Franklin is getting referred to another therapist by Hannibal. He has been referred nine times. Oh my God, Franklin! At that point, it's like, please take a good look at yourself. Like you are doing something wrong. And Hannibal is even pretty generous to him when he says, like, I'm also part of the problem. You focus too much on your therapist and not enough on your therapy, which like, okay, so that means you're not the problem. (laughs) Like he's the problem. I really love the way um, Hannibal's sessions with Franklin really juxtapose against his sessions with Will, because Hannibal absolutely wants Will to focus more on him than his therapy. (laughs) You know, we were talking, I think the first podcast episode we made we were discussing like whether Franklin is a good example of Hannibal Mm. just being normal with a patient and I think he actually is because like all of the bits about his relationship with Franklin that are not normal are like Franklin's fault Mm -hmm. but based on like everything Hannibal says to him I'm actually like this is absolutely someone that like I would want to interact with in that context and I think even um we see it again in uh his sessions with Bella you know, I like he actually seems like a legitimately good therapist. And even when, you know, like Franklin clearly annoys the shit out of him. Right. But he does a pretty good job of like, you know, he says, this is your hour. We can talk about whatever you want. You know, if what you want right now is to talk about your issues through the lens of your friend, then that's fine. I'm just looking at your note that says Franklin finally got too annoying to live. That was how I interpreted that, was that he was just like listening to this diatribe about how even psychopaths can like become good people. And he was like trying to hold out and finally was just like, fuck this. But I also like your interpretation that he was trying to spare Franklin. I don't, I guess that's always kind of how I've read it because he initially does try to get Franklin to leave. He tells him to, yeah. and Franklin doesn't listen to him and instead tries to like talk his friend down. Okay, like the first two times I saw this episode, I saw Franklin trying to like talk to, to, to Tobias as, you know, him being a good friend. But this time around, I was kind of like, this is kind of a weird, like, this is his Michael Jackson fantasy playing out. Totally, it is. And it actually just struck me as, like, weirdly self-centered and way more about Franklin than about Tobias or anyone else in the room. Because it's like, okay, you're saying all these things, but you don't actually understand this person. The first time I watched it, the Michael Jackson thing just seemed, like, completely out of left field. This time it was like, oh, clearly that's part of what he wants is like someone to save when he doesn't have any clue what's going on with them. Right. Because he's saying all these things, like, I know you're scared and I know you don't want to hurt people. Like, no, you are really wrong right now. That's even a pretty weird thing for him to think, considering that the start of this whole thing with Tobias was like him looking up the symptoms of someone being a psychopath. So, like, do you not understand what that means? Like, if you're correct about your friend being a psychopath, it means that he does want to hurt people and he doesn't feel bad. And actually, I, I think there is something also to to your idea that, you know, he got too annoying to live. Because you can kind of just see everyone in the room losing patience with him. I guess the other thing that Hannibal was maybe, even when he kills him, you could argue that he was still trying to spare him in that mm. Tobias clearly, like, meant a lot to Franklin. And the way that Franklin died was that he was just, like alive one minute and dead the next and Hannibal came up behind him and he never saw it coming whereas you know then Tobias said like I wanted to do that but this way like Franklin's last moment didn't have to be like seeing his best friend betray him and kill him you know oh that's really sweet actually yeah (laughs) I mean also I think like the longer Franklin stayed in that room like the more of a liability he became because you have to figure at some point Tobias is maybe going to say something about Hannibal being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So I think there was like a very short window for Franklin to get out. And after that point, it's like, okay, this is going to get too messy. Like, just yeah. not this one. So then Tobias so, and Hannibal fight, and it's great. That's and such it's a good great. fight scene. Did you yeah. see um, the thing Brian Fuller posted on Twitter? Yes. And that's Nicholson's it was birthday. Shit. What? I just remembered that... We read that GQ article this week, which informed oh. us that we've been pronouncing his name wrong the whole time. Sorry, yep. you just said his name, and I was like, shit, I meant to say that, like, first thing on the podcast. Sorry, I just totally, like, ruined No, no, you're good. This. I want to, like, look it up to make <laughs> Oh, it's okay, it's okay. It'll stop. Okay. It's, it's the first of the month. They're testing the sirens. Don't worry. <laughs> I think they work. 
that like the entire island is hearing that at the same time? They're like these enormous speakers set up outside at like certain points on the island. And so the first business day of every month, they test it. It's like the emergency warning system or something. My only context for that is that I saw that Michael Moore movie. There was like a part about the, you know, false alarm. And I was like, yeah. what? Like, holy shit, I like heard about this, but didn't. I think that was before I knew you. So I like didn't think about right. it all that hard. But. That's that's actually my my husband came outside. Um, people get really freaked out now when they hear those sirens because right. of that yeah, false alarm. Real. So I was lucky because I slept through basically the entire missile scare. I got oh to be God. scared for like five minutes, and then they're like, "No, it's nothing. It's fine." So well, your emergency <laughs> alarm system works. We're all set. Did you find the article you were looking for? Yes. Okay. So I, I learned from this, oh, it was Screen Rant, not G, GQ, article mm-hmm. titled 10 Things You Didn't Know About Matt Mickelson. Matt Nickel, anyway. <laughs> the number 10 is you've been pronouncing his name wrong, which like maybe doesn't apply to anyone, but definitely applies to us. And it just says, like with many foreign born actors that make their debut in the United States, there can be a transitory period where they consider changing their name because they worry American audiences won't be able to pronounce them. They may not be able to pronounce them, but if the actor's performances are memorable enough, they'll certainly remember them. Mass Mickelson's name is pronounced in the following way. His first name is pronounced Mass, just like the end of Christmas. Miss? Christmas? Wait, now that's even unclear because people say Christmas like it sounds like it has an I in it. I feel like that's trying to tell me that it's Matt, just like with no D. I looked this up and I've seen, I've seen like different things, like there was one thing that said it's pronounced Mess, and there's something saying that it's pronounced like the end of Thomas. Oh, yeah, which is also okay. nice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, there's definitely no D in it. And then right. nickel is pronounced just like nickel, and zen is like zen, Z-E-N, resulting yeah. in a surname that, if pronounced properly, is Mickle Zen. Now we know and have been saying his name wrong the entire time. But I was surprised because I was watching those um, post-mortem interviews, and even his co-stars, who presumably worked with him yeah. on Hannibal for a long time, pronounced his name wrong. Well, like, that's the thing is I feel like probably why they gave that context in the article of, like, people often considering changing their names because it's like, is it is it saying it wrong? Or, like, maybe it's just, like, a North American transliteration of this, you know? I don't know. Right. I mean, I actually watched a bunch of stuff about this this past week. But I saw an interview with him where someone was asking, like, oh, does it bug you when people say your name wrong? And he said, basically, no, I actually think it sounds pretty cool when people say it like that. So. Oh. All right. I guess like so it makes sense why he didn't choose to like, but like if you're going to correct people, you kind of have to like start early and do it consistently. Yeah. And if you choose not to do that, then you're just going to take whatever comes out of people's mouths, I guess. Oh God. I wish I hadn't forgotten how to say her last name already, but the other day I was looking up how to pronounce the actress who plays um, Alana's name because mm-hmm. we were talking about her on the podcast. Apparently she's French Canadian. The Mary Kills People show that you were talking about is on yeah. CBC, I think. So um, she was basically saying like, yeah, no one knows how to pronounce her name outside of, ah, uh, shoot, I remember, wish I remember where she's from. But yeah, basically that she just kind of Americanized it so people could say her name. And it was interesting because she said at first she was going with Caroline, but then I guess she filmed a movie in Hawaii where people were just calling her Caroline. And she said that she liked it better. So now it's Caroline. Oh, she's from Montreal. Okay. Cool. Well, now I've completely forgotten. Oh, uh, we were talking about the fight scene because you were about to say that the rehearsal for that fight scene was what right. Brian posted for Matt's birthday. Which, by the way, I just, he, I love that he's just holding like Hannibal footage in reserve and releasing <laughs> it in bit. He's like playing a long game with all this <laughs> behind the scenes stuff. The part of me that I hate that works in like advertising and writes copy is like god that's such a brilliant marketing thing yeah if he's holding out for a fourth season which like he seems to still be hoping that that's gonna happen then yeah all right so they fight it's great they both get very bloody so like okay something i still probably don't understand is why did hannah so you know they fight and then tobias is on the ground and hannibal takes out his handkerchief so as not to leave fingerprints on the stag statue that he knocks over Tobias's head. Like, I care about fingerprints at that point. You obviously killed him. He tells Jack that he killed him. I was like, is is it because that part would look too intentional? Like, he was already down and then you smack? Because I feel like you could easily write that off as self-defense too, right? Wait, wait, wait. Maybe he genuinely didn't want to get 
smudges on the statue. But he threw it on the ground afterwards. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that would be a character, though. Yeah. And then he, like, tipped over the stand it was resting on. Like, he's trying to make it look like it fell on him, was what I took from that. But then also, it's like, I don't think it could fall with such force that it would... I don't know. I just thought the whole thing was really weird. That was like a weird choice to me and I don't understand it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He was just being, <laughs> he, something finally broke through his psychopath unnatural calm and he was not thinking clearly and protected his statue from fingerprints. And, and then it goes, comes in. Oh man, that scene. Just Hannibal like teary eyed and relieved that Will isn't dead. You're the one who sent a serial killer after him. It's very sweet and I'm simultaneously like you dumbass cannibal. But I do think that this is like I, I feel like a common interpretation I see that I totally buy is like this is kind of Hannibal realizing like oh he strongly prefers Will alive to dead. Like I think this is another thing like oh I didn't realize I would be so upset with you in prison. Like I didn't realize I would be so upset that you might be dead. I think that was in the thread of um, one of Grand Hair's threads this week was like Hannibal memes. And there was one that was just like him sitting alone while Will is in prison with the caption like, I didn't know I was going to be so sad. I feel like that's what's happened here. Yeah. I love Hannibal trying to work out how to have feelings. And then, of course, the wonderful, I got here by myself, but I appreciate the company yeah, line. I love that so much. Uh, and then we get one last therapy scene with Bedelia. And I don't know. Like, it's it's weird because, like, the way Hannibal's talking, it seems like he's genuinely unsettled by, like, what happened in his office. I think he which, is. Which I find kind of weird. I kind of interpreted that as, like, you know, his different faces encroaching. Mm on each other like the last time someone showed up to his office that he didn't invite in or like didn't want to be there it was Miriam last it seems like and you know he resolves that situation from his perspective in a way that was very advantageous to him and so yeah I think like this is unexpected it also came to him through a patient who was supposed to be like a normal patient he was just trying to be Franklin's therapist and help him And that relationship, which he intended to not have anything to do with this other side of his life, turned into him admitting to the director of a (laughs) unit of the FBI that he killed someone. Like, that's pretty far out of his control. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that made a pretty big mess of his office, too. (laughs) I feel like he was probably, like, I'm just imagining him standing on the mezzanine, like, watching the crime scene cleaners, Mm. (laughs) criticizing every move. Yeah, it's like an invasion of his physical space. And then when he says, I feel responsible for Franklin's death, you know, the person that he killed. Um, But then Bedelia says, every person has an intrinsic responsibility for their own life. I don't know how to feel about that. Because, like, from her perspective, like, okay, she doesn't know that Hannibal was the one who killed Franklin. But, like, the public story is that Tobias killed Franklin, which, like, doesn't really make a difference in terms of, like, how much responsibility Franklin had for his own life at that point. Like, a serial killer killed him. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird, too, when um, Hannibal asks her, like, do you take responsibility for the patient that attacked you? Mm-hmm. And she says, yes, but I don't take responsibility for his death. But she killed him. Like, she literally killed him. <laughs> because, you know, like, with the benefit of, like, having watched all of the seasons, we know that her patient actually didn't attack her, wasn't violent, and she just killed him. So it's really weird to me that she says she doesn't take responsibility for that. And Hannibal says, and nor should you. So it's like, does he take responsibility for that death? Because he referred that patient to her. So does he count that as like a success in like making people kill other people? I think that was how I interpreted his response was that he, he feels that he had enough of a hand in it that he wants to claim it. I'm just trying to figure out if I like agree with Bedelia's statement. Cause like, Mm -hmm. On the face of it, like, yeah, I, I mean, just, just the sentence, every person has an intrinsic responsibility for their own life in terms of, like, yes, you're in control of yourself, even if everything around you is going to shit, like, you are, you, your emotions belong to you, you can only mm-hmm. ever control what's happening inside you. It's just this very specific context of someone being right. murdered in which it doesn't really apply. 
Except it kind of does because it kind of is a little bit Franklin's fault that he got murdered. I don't know. I mean, like, because that's my knee-jerk reaction too. But, I mean, I guess he should have listened to Hannibal and left and probably wouldn't have gotten killed. But at the same time, I feel like you can only expect so much of people. Like, I feel like you can't expect people to know that their psychiatrist who's hiding the fact that he's a serial killer very well is a serial killer. I guess this is something that Hannibal probably agrees with. And if you are looking at it from the perspective of like, just looking, looking at all of the characters as animals, Mm -hmm. right. And that this is just kind of like a food chain. You would say, you know, an animal of prey has a responsibility for its own life in that that animal exists to escape from predators and like everything about, you know, how, those animals have evolved is Mm -hmm. such that they can take that responsibility for their own life. So like, is it a rabbit's fault when it gets caught by a hawk? Like, well, not really, but kind of in that it has failed at the things that it was built for in being a rabbit, which is like running away from hawks. But it's Mm -hmm. also not like a bad thing. That's like what's supposed to happen. So I think if we could like, if we're interpreting Bedelia as like some sort of all-knowing Greek chorus, which she sometimes kind of is, I guess we can look at it that way, that like Franklin was a prey animal that was not successful in Mm -hmm. using its instincts. I don't, I feel like that line just says a lot more about Bedelia than anything else. To me, this is the same Bedelia who in season three was telling Will that when she sees a baby bird, like that's like vulnerable and helpless she wants to step on it you know (laughs) like I feel like there's this very dark thread in her that kind of wants to like stomp out weak things I I guess I mean I guess yeah if we want to like use the idea of like all of these people as animals it's you know asking a lion what it thinks about gazelles right Right. like it doesn't have to have an opinion really (laughs) Right. And it's not going to be particularly (laughs) sympathetic to the gazelle's plight. And I guess it also kind of sets up less sympathy for Bedelia, which I think Mm. is is kind of, you know, generally like in fandom. I don't feel bad for her in season three because she's kind of been, I think she's been set up as one of the predators. And so her falling prey to another one is kind of like, ah, them's the breaks. Right. And also the fact that she never totally does. Yeah. I mean, I might be in the minority, but I feel like I see like all of her actions in season three is like very self-directed. You know, like she leaves when she's done. Hannibal, (laughs) I think, tries to tell her she can't leave and she's just like, nope, I'm done. I'm leaving. Mm. Bye. So like, I I actually don't really buy that she was ever really his prisoner. We'll have to watch again. You've been reading anything good this week? I reread all of the nice Hannibal ficlets. Oh, right, for our pod picking project. <laughs> yeah, I actually had just been rereading them anyway. I don't know. They're so good. They're so just like a warm bath. Yeah. But kind of sad because then you can't help drawing parallels between that and everything that happens in canon. Yeah, I think that's actually what makes them, like, on their own, they're not super interesting. It's just that feeling of, like, oh, God, it would have been so easy for you to not do that horrible thing. <laughs> right. But I actually end up really missing, like, the Hannibal we get in canon when I'm reading right. this. Because it's not the same, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And I read your new Space Dogs fic, <laughs> which was so good. I think uh, that's honestly, like, yes. maybe... My favorite Space Dogs fic right now. Thank you. I li- It literally just happened because I realized that the next fic I posted would be my 69th fic on AO3. So I was like, all right, what can I do for that? I feel like Hannibal would very much appreciate like the appropriate symbolism and aesthetics. I was rereading both I Am Not a Morning Person and Astronomical Odds. So that's the coffee, stress coffee shop AU and then uh, the AU in which... Will is a serial killer who goes hitchhiking and gets picked up by another serial killer. And both of those were, I'm trying to, I'm like maybe a third of the way through recording. I'm not a morning person. So we'll see if that works out. Yay. I'm excited. I love that. If that's the hitchhiking one I'm thinking of, I love that fic. It's so funny. Is that the one where they're like, meet they meet at the dump later at the very end? Yes. Apparently there are two hitchhiking serial killer fics. So yeah. I haven't read the other one. This one is by X Zombie X Kitten X 
Maybe I should have just said that zombie kitten. It's probably zombie kitten. It was just so funny. So the summary just says, based on the joke, picked up a hitchhiker last night. He said, thanks. How do you know I'm not a serial killer, though? I replied, the chances of two serial killers being in the same car are astronomical. I just love, like, the the humor at the end, where you realize, like, they kind of both thought the other person was joking. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so in character, because it's exactly, like, you know, it's exactly what you get in the show of, like, Hannibal just telling fucking everyone that he's a serial killer. And then... I don't know. The ending is just so it's one of the happiest universes that I can imagine. Oh, man, that just makes me want like more like serial killer fix. Yeah. The Hannibal Wump Fest. Oh, that's right. That's um, Nephi is putting that on, right? Yeah. And there's going to be separate, separate weeks for Wumping Hannibal and Humpet. December 1st to the 7th is um, Hannibal Wump Week. <laughs> I'm afraid of saying it wrong. I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to end up doing anything for it. Um, I, I don't know if this would count, but I did have this like a few days ago. I was like, it was literally two in the morning and I was about to go to bed and I had to like suddenly run back into my studio to post on Discord because I don't keep my phone in my bedroom anymore. I had to like run back into my studio to get my phone and post Discord like, wait, what if, cause you know, we were talking about how uh, Hannibal kind of like forces Bedelia to be his therapist. And it's this very weird, like exercise of power where yeah. he's like her to have this power over him. And I was like, what if I did a fic where like in Italy, Hannibal is like kind of in the same way, forcing Bedelia to be his dom. And she's like really not into it, but is just kind of doing it because... <laughs> So I don't know if that would actually count if like he was into it and forcing her to do it, if that would be wump. <laughs> but I think it could, depending on how you do it. Yeah. Oh, you know what I could do? <laughs> I started writing that um, sequel to your uh, Hannibal is a drug addict fic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would qualify really well. <laughs> that would totally qualify. All right. Great. Wump fest. Wump fest. All right. Well, uh, if you guys have questions or comments or angry rants, drop them in our Curious Cats, which is curiouscat.me slash conjoinedpod. Or you can follow us on Twitter at conjoinedpod or individually at lovetincture and at tancookies. Yay. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Bye.